It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Rams Nation, what's happening? What's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Locked On Rams. This is the Friday edition of Locked On Rams. We made it, everybody. We made it to the weekend. Happy Friday. Hope you guys had a great week. It was great to be back dropping a few podcasts this week. Again, as I mentioned before, uh, gonna kind of going to be turning it up a little bit. We'll probably do about three to four a week until we get to the season. And then we'll crank it up Monday through Friday once we kick off that Monday night game in Oakland to start the season. Really excited about that. We'll continue to talk about all those matchups coming up. Before we get to that, don't forget to give me a follow on Instagram, Twitter, write me an email. However you communicate, reach out to me. I want to hear your guys' thoughts, comments, concerns. At LA underscore Rambling Bear on Instagram, at LockedOnRams, Instagram and Twitter, and then LockedOnRams at gmail.com. Shoot me an email. Uh, Tell me what you think. Tell me what you want to hear. Always love your feedback. And then don't forget to go to iTunes and leave a review. We always appreciate that. Give us a five-star uh, and tell us what you think. You can find us also on Spotify and anywhere else that podcasts are found. We're there. Got an awesome episode for you guys today. I'm really excited. We're going to do another crossover uh, with another team that we play this year. We've got Lauren Cock of Locked On Bears on the episode today. Uh, we reached out and had a conversation with him about what's going on with the Bears. There's a lot of talk about the Bears being the Rams of 2017. Uh, So I had some questions for him on what they thought about that and and how they were going to put that together. Also talked about the matchup uh, late in the year, I think in December, Bears-Rams on the road in Chicago uh, when it starts to get cold. Uh, It's going to be a good one. So without further ado, I'm just going to jump to the good stuff. Here's my conversation with Lauren Cock of Locked on Bears. Enjoy, guys. Welcome into this Locked on Bears Locked On Rams crossover podcast here. I am Lauren Cox from Locked On Bears, joined somewhat ironically by Bear Modder from Locked On Rams, who, you know, a guy going by the nickname Bear. I mean, what are you doing hosting a Rams podcast? Yeah, isn't that funny? It's um, And I used to be a Bears fan a long time ago. I grew up in the Midwest and moved around too much almost to have a, a hometown team and, uh, when I left overseas for Australia, I kind of, when I came back, I moved to L.A. on the same day the Rams did. I was excited to be in a, a city that was now hosting a new team or a team actually moving back. Uh, but, yeah, a little coincidence there, but I am a Rams fan and go by Bear. So uh, you got to get used to it, man. Got to get used to it. But I still have ties, and that game that comes up late in the year, I believe in December when the Rams come out there, uh, I still have a lot of family in the Chicago area, so I may have to hit you up when I'm out in Chicago uh, fighting that cold uh, to watch that game. It's going to be a good one. Well, now that all my listeners hate you because you're no longer a Bears fan, <laughs> exactly. I, you know, I think this is uh, going to be a fun conversation because of all the comparisons that you know the Chicago Bears are being talked up, you know, both by the local media and the national media, potentially as. You know, could they be this year's version of the Los Angeles Rams of last year? So, you know, I want to toe the line here a little bit between talking about the Rams of last year and talking about the Rams of this year because, you know, they've made a lot of changes, mostly significant improvements with, with some talent additions at key positions that I know I want to get into. But I guess just to start, 
how would you describe the sort of the the magic and the the innovation and the the, the novelty of the 2016 Los Angeles Rams? Or excuse me, the 2017 Rams. Oh man, I was going to say the 2016 Rams were a nightmare. Uh, it was the, the <laughs> curse of Jeff Fisher. It was the the last the last hurrah of him. But 2017. Um, I, you know, it's tough to describe as far as what the magic was. It's really, I mean, if we're going to put a word on it, it's McVeigh. You know, it was the McVeigh effect. He came in, uh, really took over this team, and just changed everything that was going on as far as the, the mental state, how they practiced, how, how they came into games, how they prepared, how they played on the road. I mean, they won seven, eight road games last year and did it with ease. I mean, they looked more comfortable on the road at times than they did at home. Uh, and and it was so crazy to see how fast things changed. You saw Jared Goff go from a bust to leading the NFL's number one offense. Todd Gurley, who slumped in his second year, and people started saying, "Oh, you know, he was a, a one-hit wonder rookie guy that you know probably will never get to that again." And he came back and had an MVP candidacy year. Um, our defense, who kind of where we thought was a really really strong suit. Uh, struggled at times with the with the run, but Aaron Donald individually came out one defensive player of the year. So we finally had players that we knew were good really go to that next level. And a lot of it's got to be given to uh, Sean McVay and the way that he kind of just changed that that attitude around here. I mean, they came in with the, the catchphrase, we, not me, and everyone bought in right away. I mean, you see it with the addition of Brandon Cooks. He said when he got here in OTAs and just got to hang out with Sean McVay, he knew right away he wanted to do that extension, uh, which was just you know granted to him a couple days ago. So uh, you can tell right away that people are really you know buying in. They're buying in fast out here in L.A. The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry, you can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyra Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. When when you look at 
sort of uh, the the dynamics of this Rams team? I mean, what uh, offensively, what made them so good? What was able to kind of take Jared Goff to that next level from a you know from a schematic standpoint, from a player personnel standpoint? I mean, what what was the big difference? I mean, obviously Jeff Fisher kind of came from a conservative background and was a very vanilla run the ball and there's the parallels to john fox in chicago are extreme but what what, what were some of the key differences offensively that allowed jared goff to have that ascension yeah you mentioned john fox there for a while we heard a lot of um john fox is basically jeff fisher that had peyton manning for a couple years and it seems like it couldn't be truer. But um, as far as personnel <laughs> over here and what really happened and, and part of that magic and, and where Jared Goff was allowed to really take that step and that leap forward uh, was definitely we, we started protecting him. You know, we went out and got Andrew Whitworth and uh, Sullivan to play the center position. Uh, Saffold really found himself uh, at left guard and was able to take a next step in his development as what we all thought he could be. He was a great leader already, but he just didn't seem to kind of put all the intangibles together and, and really be able to be that consistent guy you count on. But I think we also were expecting too much of him. So when we got to really put that weight on uh, Andrew Whitworth's shoulders and let him kind of lead from there, his, his game just really took up into another level. Um, and then going downfield, you know, being able to be, to have Sean McVay and the, creative mind that he does on the offense side of the ball to I mean one of my favorite things to do is just go back and watch some of the film and watch some of the plays that I've been watching football a long time and some of the formations and how he moves people around I have never seen in football and I loved it and I think you could see defenses kind of reacting that way and and not knowing how to cover or um, and it made it for a lot of easy throws for Jared Goff you always hear you know, when, when guys are coming to the league, you know, get a really good tight end, someone that they can kind of dump the ball to or they can have that safety net, um, you know, when it's short yardage or whatever it is. And if you watch a lot of the throws that Jared Goff was doing, um, you know, a lot were to Todd Gurley, a lot to Cooper Cup across the middle, Sammy Watkins. I think eight of his touchdowns were scored within, the t- within 10 yards uh, in the red zone. So um, he had a lot of short passes. But then when he was allowed to open up, the you know open up the field and throw deep that was one of the things coming out you know everyone said Jared Goff's got a really great arm he was never able to really show it off last year and when he did it seemed like he was just kind of closing his eyes and chucking it up there so his deep ball accuracy really started to pick up Um, and as we mentioned Todd Gurley had an amazing year not only out of the backfield catching the ball but running so um, looking at pro football focus Jared Goff is a top three quarterback as far as when it comes off the play action I mean his his being able to use that strength in Todd Gurley in the run game to kind of buy him a couple more seconds and then, you know, be able to be accurate with the ball. All those things combined just happen at once in one season. You know, we're looking for those things to happen over a couple years, work on this, you know, grow on some chemistry with Cooper Cup, and all of a sudden this rookie and him hit it off. You know, Todd Gurley takes the next level, not only, you know, running, but out of the backfield. Protection up front was great right out of the gate. Um, so these things just happen so fast. So even for us out in L.A., we had some expectations of what we thought the team could be. But, you know, as it went and we kept going, we kept winning on the road and, you know, we kept staying near the top of the division and then, you know, going up and blowing out Seattle near the end of the year was just kind of the icing on the cake. Um, you know, you want to see us kind of win a playoff game is kind of really the next hurdle for us. But, man, a lot of big steps real fast out here in L.A. And the buzz has turned up to 100 out here. Well, I'm glad you mentioned it in sort of that context of 
you know, exceeding expectations and, and kind of abnormally developing. And I, I think, you know, I, I try not to be, you know, pessimistic, but just realistic with the Chicago Bears and, you know, a first year head coach and a young quarterback and, you know, all the parallels that you draw between these two teams that it's maybe not fair to expect a Los Angeles Rams type turnaround. I mean, the blueprint is there, but the the reality of, you know, so many things going right with, you know, the offensive line, like for the Rams, how many things went right? Todd Gurley has a phenomenal year. You know, the offensive line gets better and a veteran like Roger Saffold kind of has a, a revitalization and a, a real aging, you know, offensive line guard tackle Andre Whitworth kind of or Andrew Whitworth excuse me comes in and has another revitalization at left tackle and you know the third round wide receiver steps up and has a big year and you know Robert Woods kind of comes out and, and exceeds what he was able to do in the past and you know seemed like all these little things kind of come together for a team to have that level of success and just realistically in the NFL it's it's pretty rare when all the pieces kind of fall in line like that. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And it almost makes you a little nervous um, coming into this season. We added more and more and more. Obviously, we added on the defense like crazy, adding three pro bowlers with Tlaib and Peters and Dominican Sue. And we're still really trying to lock up Donald long term. And, you know, he's talking about not coming to camp until then. But, um, and you're just like, can we do it again? You know, are we now, we, are we assuming these things to be true because we saw them last year? And expecting them to be, you know, just the same, if not better. And that is the one thing out here. Expectations are flying like crazy. And, you know, I'm kind of glad you kind of mentioned that because everything kind of coming together. Uh, you saw the Bears last year, you know, Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, am I allowed to call him Mitch? Is that, has that been vetoed? Did he talk about that? Is it Mitchell moving forward? So initially it was Mitchell because like that's what his mom called him and that was just kind of and I think a lot of you know media organizations have just kind of stuck with it but he is he has said multiple times call him whatever I think a lot of his <laughs> teammates just call him Mitch so yeah I, I I instinctively say Mitchell but most people are at Mitch again okay I just thought it was funny when it came out and it was like you know he got drafted and he like kind of made this thing about it and I was like oh man that you're gonna get made fun of now because neither name <laughs> is truly cool. Uh, and now you're just going to really, you know, be stubborn about it. But okay, so Mitch, uh, I'm going to go back to Mitch. Let's let's go let's rock Mitch here for a little bit. But you know, you saw things really come together. Um, you know, the he has the offense. They went out and got Allen Robinson. Um, you know, Kevin White. I, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on on you know what what you're expecting from him. But I don't know too much about the offensive line. But you know, we did see some similarities as far as, you know, Jordan Howard and, and having that dominant runner, uh, which I think is a huge part of being a young quarterback. Um, Trubisky has enough of the, you know, I don't want to say it because it's, you know, old rival, but that Brett Favre mentality of just throw it in there, which you kind of like and, and probably gets him into trouble sometime, but you love the aggressiveness in, in, in the quarterback play and he also can take it down and run. But um, I'm excited to see how it comes together for you guys because you're right. There's a lot of comparisons going on, and so kind of counter question to you: two things it would be with you know how is Chicago taking that as being kind of they could be the next year's Rams? Um, I don't know if there's any you know any backlash for that or if that's kind of a, a slap in the face in a sense or because they want to build their own identity. And then two, um, you know, how do you see some of those things coming together? Because you see the pieces in place. But, you know, maybe talk to me about, you know, you, how you think they're actually going to unfold a little bit. 
Yeah, so the Bears have been very careful, for, you know, from the player and coaching standpoint with what they say about this season. And, you know, they I think Mitch has, in particular, talked a lot about how he's very confident that this team is going to be successful, but you haven't heard any kind of, you know, guarantees. You know, they talk about that they, they obviously want to compete. The goal is to compete for a championship, but, you know, they understand that the, the chances of that in year one are, are pretty low. So, you know... I think Mitch recently said, you know, that, you know, we're going to be good. And I think it's going to be this year that you start to see us good, but it's, it's not necessarily this, you know, full on, we're going to win 12 games and, and rock the NFL. I mean, they're, they're excited. They're optimistic, but they're not publicly um, setting themselves up to disappoint or to, to put the expectations on themselves too high. Although I think the more positivity that has exuded out of every press conference and, you know, practice. And I think training camps only going to ramp this up that all the players are raving. And there's just this comparison to how it was last year compared to this year just makes everything this year seem five times better. Even when maybe some things are just kind of getting back to more of a normal and not above and beyond, but it just feels above and beyond because of the coaching inefficiencies of last year, the, the offensive staff was really the opposite of creative. And there was some John Fox influence there. And, you know, fortunately they retained their defensive coaching staff top to bottom and right. nine, nine out of the 11 defensive starters are back. And one of those is not back because Roquan Smith was their first round pick and he's going to take one of those spots. So realistically they're looking at 10 out of 11 defensive starters in place from last year with only one potential change there. So a lot of optimism and, and for the way it's going to come together defensively, but offensively, there's a lot of moving parts and, and the confidence level from them has not been, has not wavered that they're, they're, they're all in on Matt Nagy pulling out all the stops and, and using his creativity to make it all work. But you've got a lot of new faces filling in, in a lot of new positions and in theory and on paper, Everything is there for this offense to be incredibly successful. But you come back to the situation of something, you know, statistically speaking, your chances of something going wrong, something is going to go wrong in, in one area or another. And where that's going to happen, you're not necessarily sure. But you can see sort of the blueprint of trying to build a little bit of the Chiefs offense again with Matt Nagy. Trey Burton brought in to play that Travis Kelsey role. He's not going to be Travis Kelsey level productive this year, but he's going to kind of play that flexible slot receiver wing tight end move around position. You got Tariq Cohen and out of the backfield being a versatile weapon, potentially in the Tyreek Hill role, playing more wide receiver than running back. But Taylor Gabriel, the, the speedster from the Atlanta Falcons that they signed this year, he could kind of be in the mix there. And, and to wrap up with Kevin White that you mentioned, the Bears are expecting zero from Kevin White this year that they, they seriously that's yeah. the, the wide receiver coach said we have no expectations we have set no expectations for Kevin White we just want him to come in practice hard stay healthy and whatever we can get from him we're going to get from him I mean he's realistically not going to be a top three receiver on this team right and so he needs to learn how to contribute on special teams if he's going to make the roster and be in the bottom three receivers I mean it's it's too early to say he's not going to make the 53-man roster, but I think if his contract wasn't fully guaranteed as a first-round pick, he would not be making this team for sure. He just hasn't shown enough to contribute and, and be on that. But I think one way or another, he sticks, but doesn't play any significant role in the offense. Yeah, well, you said it. The coaches you know, have 
you know, zero expectations for him. And I think probably, you know, suffering from the fan base, that's probably the same expectations as they've already, you know, wasted all their, you know, high expectations on what they thought he was going to be. So maybe that's what he needs most, be healthy and don't have a lot of expectations and kind of just go be and do what he wants. Uh, you talked about Trey Burton coming in and playing that Travis Kelsey role. Um, it would be nice to see him be Travis Kelsey since they ended up paying him almost, it felt like he was Travis Kelsey. Uh, a lot of money spent in the offseason there, but they needed it. They needed it to revamp that offense. I don't know if he's actually going to be the guy at tight end um, to take that huge you know, leap, but if they can really move the football down the field, he showed you know, in his run with the Eagles that he can make big plays and uh, you know, always look for that little um you know quarterback throwback you know for yeah for some yards but um you know you had talked about you know kind of how it all came together uh for the bears i guess kind of looking in one of the big things that you know was kind of i was reflecting back as you were talking about these pieces coming together and you always expect something to go wrong um one of the things that you know we could chalk up last year as well was the health of our team uh, we didn't have any major injuries. Our offensive line started every single game together. So it, it is, you're right, as you were saying that, it kind of clicked in my head, is that there's so many other things and pieces that, you know, you can have the right players, you can have the right coaches, but putting everything together for a whole season is always pretty difficult, and some things are just out of your control. Um, so that's another thing that's random that, you know, always got to look out for. And, you know, hopefully, as we talked about Kevin White and, you know, his you know, injury and coming off of that. Uh, do you see Allen Robinson as being kind of the guy, the number one guy that can go out there and, and take that load? Yeah, that's that's the expectation. But it's and I, I have no reason to doubt that he's not. You know, he's a thousand yard receiver this year. I mean, it, that it seems more likely than not. But it's just kind of it's just one of those things where, you know, he's coming off the ACL injury. So there's always some question marks there. He's, he hasn't fully participated in practice yet, but he's supposed to be ready to go for training camp, which starts this week. They, they're reporting already. And then, you know, Taylor Gabriel's probably the number two, and he's never quite been a true number two receiver in Atlanta, so they're kind of expecting him to take a step up, but that's not a known like Robinson's knee. And, you know, like Trey Burton has never been a top tight end in an offense. He's seen flashes, so you're you're expecting him to come in and do better than he has in the past, but that's not truly known. You throw in the second-round wide receiver, Anthony Miller, you know, a rookie you never really know exactly what you're going to get from there. And even Jordan Howard, as consistent as a runner as he's been, he's had issues with dropped passes in the past. And there was some thought earlier this offseason about whether or not he's at the right fit in, in Nagy's system. You know, looking for a Kareem Hunt type running back that can run and catch out of the backfield. I personally think his receiving issues are a little bit overblown, but if they're not, and if that becomes a problem, it's just another one of those things where you have all these pieces here and if they all perform the way that the team thinks they will, then you're going to have a, a St. Louis or a, a Los Angeles Rams level offense. But the chances that, you know, they stay healthy and, and you know, like the injuries on the offensive line last year were huge and you brought back four of the same five guys, you know, are they going to be able to stay healthy after, you know, having that be an issue last year again? There's just a lot of moving parts and a lot of things coming together that you, you question Okay, what maybe maybe it's just from being scorned as a Bears fan over the last what ten plus years and the, the playoff drought of eight years now of things always do go wrong. So maybe, yeah, what what am I expecting to go wrong even when everything's looking right? Exactly, and and the fun thing about you know I look back to you know following the Bears and you know uh, some of the history that they have. You know, you guys get almost 
two little mini playoff games within the regular season. That's every time you guys match up against Green Bay. Um, it's been, it feels like forever since the Bears have beat the Packers, and you might have better knowledge than I do there. But, um, you know, if they really want to take that next step, it starts by uh, taking down Aaron Rodgers in, in that division. As you're looking across the division, obviously the Vikings, um, you know, went deep into the playoffs last year and, you know, uh, with a magical play, got them a game further. They've added <laughs> Cousins uh, to be the quarterback there. But how are you looking at the the NFC North and how that matches up and, and where you guys fit in? Because there's a lot of talk about, you know, could they be the Rams of 2017 and make that blast up? Um, you know, are, are, personally yourself with, with Locked On Bears, you know, where do you see the Bears fitting in and how does that division really shake out, you know, as, as you kind of pull out? And I think this right here is exactly the biggest difference potentially between last year's Rams and this year's Bears. That last year, the Rams were able to pretty well handle that division. You know, they got Seattle in the worst year in recent times. Arizona obviously fell apart with injuries. And San Francisco wasn't really much of a threat until they got Jimmy Garoppolo. And even then, it took a few weeks before they were really particularly strong. So, I mean, the Rams, I think, what did they win? Five out of their six division games last year? I don't have the number in front of me. Yeah, they um, uh, they did pretty well in the division. You're right. We swept, um, we swept the Cardinals. I think we actually split with the Niners because it was week 17 and we didn't start our yeah. uh, starters. And then we split with Seahawks. They, we dropped a touchdown uh, here at home in the Coliseum. So, um, But you're right. That's a good point. Yeah, and so you look at Chicago that, you know, the, the, what were they 5-11 and 11 last year? They could very well have a, a great improvement season and Mitchell Trubisky looks strong and the offense is clicking and looking innovative, but... They finished eight and eight and fourth in the division because you know the Lions were nine and seven last year. They've got a new head coach. They're kind of looking for that same first year head coach bump to kind of push them up back into playoff contention. And Aaron Rodgers returns to the Green Bay Packers, so they're not going to be a pushover. And certainly that didn't make a difference last year when the Bears played them. And <laughs> you know the the Vikings a Super Bowl, put you know, maybe not favorite, but a Super Bowl a top Super Bowl contender. I mean, the Bears might be in the most difficult division in the NFL right now, certainly up there among the top two or three. And chances are they don't win more than half of their division games and probably less. And, you know, that can that can make it tough, especially when you look at the rest of the schedule and you have a team like the Rams being thrown in there. And, and you know, they have some easier games early on, but they play the Patriots in the NFC East. You know, the Giants could be a team on the up. They, they play the 49ers who are certainly on their way up. I mean, I think just from a, a, a schedule on paper and a, a strength of division standpoint, this Bears team could have a great eight and eight season and feel really good about the way they played and just still finish last place, still miss the playoffs. And that's okay. I mean, that's, that's a good, reasonable first step improvement. You know, I think that that should really be the expectation is look significantly better than last year. And if that turns into a surprise playoff push, great, but that that's not where I would put my money. Yeah, you, you nailed it. And uh, with the divisions as far as <clears throat> NFC North being one of those top divisions out there and, you know, only got, getting stronger in the offseason with, you know, the return of Rodgers and Cousins, uh, the Bears are going to have to take care of, you know, business at home for sure as you're talking in the division and, you know, then go and prove yourself as a thing kind of reflecting back to the 2017 Rams. I talked about how great they played on the road. It was one of the things that 
really propelled them in into the playoffs. I mean, we wouldn't have would not have been there if we didn't go on the road and beat the Cowboys. We didn't go on the road and beat Jacksonville and really build kind of that confidence that they could not only play with some of the best teams out there, uh, but do it, you know, thousands of miles away from home. Nice thing looking at, at our schedule moving forward is last two years, we've been the number one most traveled team in the NFL Going to London twice always, you know, really bumps you up there. But we had a yeah. bunch of trips across to the East Coast. Um, and this year, I think our first longest road trip is about week eight or nine. We go to Denver. Um, and that's, you know, like a two and a half hour flight or whatever it is. So that's not terrible. So the Rams are are being set up a little bit better this year. And then our, our overseas game, because when you um, move locations you basically are offered up to go into the international games for three years so this is our last year of the international games and we'll be going to mexico city so thankfully not too far again Uh, but that it is crazy how all those aspects come into it you talked about some of the scheduling that you guys have Um, you you don't have an easy way to get there but if you get there man you guys are are tried and tested and ready to go Um, what is i mean talking about you said they could go eight and eight and be a victory is that really your expectations, or where where do where do the Bears get and you're happy, um, and where do the Bears get and you're upset? Yeah, I'm I'm seeing the team as a, a seven to eight to maybe nine win team, just you know playing playing the odds and the probability there. I think anything less than six or seven wins would be disappointment, just based on what has happened in years past and the way they were able to you know drag themselves along to five wins last year i mean certainly some level of improvement on that is is going to be expected but yeah i kind of put them in the in the seven eight maybe nine win range what about what about the rams here i mean as much of a a high as last year as we kind of danced around the idea that you know is there going to be a drop off and you know, is there going to be issues when you when you trade for some of these high-profile talents and you have Aaron Donald potentially unhappy about his contract situation, while at the same time they give out a big contract to Brandon Cooks and they gave Dominican Sue a big contract? I mean, guys that haven't even played for the team yet, and we know Aaron Donald is arguably the best player in the NFL, certainly the best defensive player with J.J. Watt injured and, and even with a healthy J.J. Watt. I'd, I'd be darned to put anybody above Aaron Donald right now. But, you know, you throw in the personalities of Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib and Dominican Sue. you know, not that these are guys that get into a lot of legal trouble, but just guys that are, you know, more outspoken and, and you know, have had some potential attention drawn to their names in the past. I mean, he's, you know, Sean McVay is still a young head coach, and I know the experience of Wade Phillips is there to kind of help him, but how how do you see the pieces coming together here, especially the new ones with the Rams? Yeah, it's a great question. It's one that we're getting a lot these days, obviously, as you're looking at, you know, you named them all there, and and like you said, not so much off the field trouble, but some pretty uh, intense personalities on the field, right? Obviously, even Sue throwing him in there with some of the you know messes that he's gotten into on the field and the way he plays where some call it dirty. And I probably called it dirty a couple years ago, but now he's on my team and I'm like, I love it. You know, you want that guy to shake it up. You want the guy that everyone looks at and they're like, man, I hate him. But if he's on our team, I'd tone. probably love him. Yeah, set the tone. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a great question and we don't know yet. But from what we're kind of diving into and what we're kind of really feeling off from the team that they're putting out is a couple things. One, uh, you nailed it at the end, Sean McVay, um, young guy, but he's made people buy in. You know, you get the likes, and I mentioned them earlier, but Andrew Whitworth coming in 
and one of the reasons he said I could have signed a couple other places, but when I met Sean McVay, I knew right away. I knew right away this is a place I want to be, and that I could buy into this guy's scheme and and what he's what he's pitching. And then on the counterpart, when they hired Sean McVay, he instantly reached out to Wade Phillips and brought him over. And it couldn't have been the best one-two combo because you got a guy who you know needs to borrow an ID to go buy a six-pack of beer. And then, you know, you got the guy <laughs> who, you know, used to drink beer out of a can with the rip-off tops. You know I mean? They've got best of both worlds as far as age and, you know, understanding of this game. So they're able to play both areas as far as players, however they need to. And the things you always hear about Wade Phillips and players that play for him, he's a coach, you know, player's coach. You know, he's not out there screaming and yelling. Uh, one of the things that Peters and Talib both said is that they love how he puts them in position to go make a play. And if they don't make the play, they're not in trouble, you know, because he put them in the position to get there and also put people in position to back them up or to, you know, allow them to go try to make that play. Um, Talib obviously had some of his best years in Denver with Phillips, so that's one of the great things when they brought him over. It was almost like this extended leadership on the field, even though you know he's had his uh, chain robin days, and uh, we actually will see that matchup again in the preseason uh, when, oh, we yeah. face, when we face Crabtree and, and uh, the Ravens. So that's going to be fun. See if he can get his you know third chain for the the collection. Um, but you know he's he's kind of that on field guy and that that veteran that. Really, they, when they went and got Peters, they're hoping that, one, he can kind of take him under his wing and go, look, I'm exactly like you. You know, I'm this, this you know, volatile, you know, kind of crazy, you know, very emotional player that's kind of gotten me a little trouble on the field, but definitely on his later years in his career. And to take Marcus Peters and go, look, this is Wade Phillips. This is how he runs the system. We can be a little crazy, but we got to not think about, you know, throwing a flag into the stands. Like, that's where we got to stop. You know, we got to be able to, (laughs) you know, have that mentality to know we can't hurt the team. So I love those two together because they're kind of the same, but at different ages and points of their career. So I think they're going to work well together in that system. Uh, You talk about how, um, you know, paying some of these guys and how does Donald feel. The great thing you got to love about Donald even when he's been so quiet about this contract we talked about this yesterday on Lockdown Rams that he hasn't come out and said this is ridiculous I need my money it's just his persona as he understands the business but they've kept everything in-house even to the point when Cooks got his um, you know his big deal yesterday it wasn't Adam Schefter you know breaking it with sources it was the Rams on their own Twitter putting it out and then all of the reporters going Oh, the Rams just told us that they signed their guy. Like, I love that about that is they're just keeping everything in-house. They're not really getting, you know, allowing the news to, to have that sound bite or to get that quote to blow it up to, to build that, that riff. So, uh, and one of the things about signing Cooks to the long-term deal was really kind of hoping that we could move some of his money around this year put it into a signing bonus and make a little bit of that extra room that we need to go sign our guy Aaron Donald. So I think weirdly in a way, even though Aaron Donald probably will be the last person signed coming into training camp, when ideally we would have loved to have him be the first guy to be signed, uh, I think all that needed to happen. And they have, I mean, they're going down to the, the penny here with you know getting Sue done. Uh, they had to cut Kayvon Webster, who was a fan favorite, but Torres Achilles, another guy that came over from the Denver system. So they made some moves to make sure everyone got where they needed to be as far as money-wise. And uh, we're expecting to get the deal done for Aaron Donald before the... Um, 
training camp comes just because last year he missed all of training camp. He missed the first season of uh, the first game of the season and crazy enough still dominated the league and won defense player of the year with missing the first game. And then he sat out the last game. So uh, if we can get him in camp and get next to Sue and start to really, you know, work with this defense, because, you know, again, the one crazy thing is there's so many different pieces. I was watching the um, Atlanta Falcon playoff game where we lost and I was looking at that defense and, you know, Robert Quinn, Alec Ogletree, all those guys are gone. Those were leaders of that team last year. So uh, there's there's definitely a gap in that middle linebacking area to see who's going to be the guy that's going to really step up to the next level. Is it Mark Barron, who's been in the system for a while? Corey Littleton is a guy that everyone's really excited about here that was, uh, you know, got some time last year. I think he went undrafted out of uh, University of Washington and, and really has kind of stepped up into that role. So there's a lot of questions. That if there is any questions of the roster, it's in that linebacking core. But I think this defense, you, you don't know how they're going to play together. But if you look at OTAs, there was a lot of great stuff coming out. But that is something we do here is how these guys can all click together. Only time will tell. But on paper, it gets us really, really excited out here in Los Angeles. So in terms of more general expectations, I'm sure Super Bowl gets thrown out there a lot when you have, you know, such excitement from last year. They go 11 and 5 in 2017 in the big surprise. What's sort of the the win-loss range that you're expecting or, or what's what's going to the two sides of the, the yeah. polls here? Yeah, expectations are really really high. I mean, you'll talk to Rams fans out here that will with a dead face look you in the eye and say, "It's a Super Bowl or I'm disappointed." And you're like, what? How is that even real? Like, how is that a real expectation? Do you understand how hard it is to get to the Super Bowl, let alone just, you know, say your expectation is to win the Super Bowl? Um, You know, coming from a team that finally won the division uh, and got to the playoffs for the first time in forever, and all of a sudden we want Super Bowls. But in a sense, I'm not too far behind them because um, I think expectation definitely is they went out and won 11 ball games last year. Looking at how that kind of came, there were a couple that we really could have won even more. I think we even had a chance to win about 13 games last year. There's, you know, we dropped a touchdown in the end zone. We missed a field goal um, in one of the games. And so um, I really think that we have to hit 11 games to be like, okay, you know, get us to the playoffs, win 11 games. And then we got to win a playoff game. We got to get one step further than we did last year. We hosted the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, we had two fumbles from our Pro Bowl kick returner, Farrah Cooper, which was just shocking to all of us. He had been so almost untouchable the whole season. We had Tavon Austin back there earlier in the year, and he was Mr. Fumbles. So we put in Farrell Cooper, and he did amazing, uh, obviously earning himself that Pro Bowl um, you know, nod. But, you know, we got to get back to the playoffs, got to win a playoff game. I think getting to the NFC championship game is about where I circle my expectations. And that's even as I keep saying that out loud, I'm like, God, it still sounds a little crazy. Uh, (laughs) But I think that's where it needs to be. And I think the great thing about it is they have this um, fun TV series that they're doing Mm -hmm. on Facebook, the Rams. It's called Behind the Grind. And it's been like hard knocks of the offseason, basically. And it's my my addiction because – just watching these guys and hearing how they talk. And obviously, yes, we know it's a production put together by the Rams, but uh, you can just see the mindset of what they're expecting. You know, how McVay came in, and it's not just a one-year wonder, let's turn this around, let's get some excitement. Like, he's 
coming to bring championships. And they're setting the, the offense up that way. They're setting the defense up that way. They're spending money. Uh, you know, they've got extremely talented guys. They're the number one offense in the league. I think it's going to be important for us to, I don't think, be the number one offense in the league again. That's tough to go back-to-back. I mean, if, if we can get it done, hey, that'd be awesome. But well, they need to be, again, they've got to be in the top five. They've got to be able to move that football because it was so key to them last year. Um, if our defense can step it up and put us in good positions and really go and, and you know, that was a point of the season that we're just like, we're going to score more points than you. Like, you can put up 25, sure. We're going to go put up 37, 40 points. So um, whatever you have to do, you know, we're going to put up a lot of points. And I think they got to continue to stay in that attacking mindset. But I love our wide receiving core. It's kind of, you know, nothing to brag about as far as big name. You know, Brandon Cook is by far our biggest name. And as I saw the contract stuff come out, people were like, wow, they're giving him top three money. And he's like a top 15, top 20 wide receiver. And I love that. I love that people think that uh, because, you know, one, maybe it takes, you know, it puts a little chip on his shoulder to go out there and prove himself. But two, we have Robert Woods, who you had mentioned, who kind of stepped up last year, really over you know, achieved on what we thought. Uh, a little f- side fact really quick. He had a, a thing in his bonus that if he had gotten to um, 1,000 yards that they would have, uh, or 800 yards, sorry, 800 yards that they would have given him like an extra uh, half a million dollars. And the, he didn't play the last week of the season and he was 12 yards short. So he would have gotten it, obviously. <laughs> and I love it because the Rams organization noticed that and said, you know what, we sat you for your health reasons. So here's your half a million dollar bonus anyway. So they gave him the bonus, which goes so far in this organization, seeing like, all right, if I do, you know, so many organizations are so cheap. And so like, well, you didn't get your bonus. Uh, and we went and kind of just said, you know, here, here's your bonus. You, you busted your tail out here. We, you know, honestly, I don't think anyone thought he was going to go get that. And, you know, he got right there. So pretty cool stuff, but excited about the wide receiving core. And they're all locked in for the next three, four years, which is also really cool. So if they can really hold together and really do what they did last year, it's not only a team that can go and make a deep run in the playoffs just this year, which I've heard a lot of Super Bowl or bust. And I don't think that's really the mentality. I think the Rams are going, you know, almost in the dynasty or bust. They're really looking to go, you know, multiple years deep into the playoffs. So uh, exciting stuff. You're right. But we'll see when it comes out because, you know, on any given Sunday, Monday, Thursday, and occasionally Saturdays, anything can happen. <laughs> well, it sounds like there's they're, they're furthering the blueprint that whatever they do this year, you know, if, if the Bears are trying to copy what they did last year, then next year the Bears will be trying to copy what they do this year or avoid making the mistakes they might have made. So I'm sure the, the Bears fans and, and the hopefully the Bears organization in general, they'll be keeping an eye on, okay, what are the Rams doing now? Should we should we copy that or should we should we do something different? Oh, for sure. And I'm excited to see kind of how the Bears come out of the gate. I think uh, getting off to a good start was big for us last year. Um, you know, we had a winning record, you know, pretty quick into the season and, and we're able to build off that. So it's going to be exciting to see how uh, Mitch can come out and lead that team. You know, looking just quickly, I pulled up the roster. You got some of my old favorite Rams. You know, they're not highlights on your team, and I don't know if they'll even make the roster, but you've got Eric Cush, who's a, a backup center for you guys, backup lineman, who back in the uh, Hard Knocks days when we actually had that when they moved out to L.A. was a big star of that show and is just a really funny guy. And then Benny Cunningham was a huge uh, Rams favorite out here in L.A. And, um, you know, hopefully those guys, I know that's, that's a deep roster that he's got to climb up with uh, Cohen and Howard in front of him. But you got some guys that we recognize out here on the West Coast. And I really hope you guys do, uh, you know, get to that. Because I think it's what we, I think we, our matchup is like week 
10 14 or, i think four, oh 14 okay it's in december 13 that, or 14 yeah we're in yeah. december um that, that's a good game you know that that is potentially if we're in the flex zone that that can maybe be flexed to sunday night or something because um if that ends up being you know two teams pushing for playoff position uh man that's gonna have that stadium rocking and like i said it's right around that christmas time so i might be in chicago have to hit you up and grab a beer and talk some trash during the game <laughs> absolutely uh, bear i i appreciate you doing this crossover it was it was a blast i think i learned a lot about the rams i hope you and your listeners learned a lot about the chicago bears and hopefully it was a nice little trip down memory lane for you oh yeah always good man chicago one of the one of my favorite cities uh outside of la so uh, great stuff i think the listeners are going to love it anytime and in fact when we get closer to that matchup maybe we'll jump back on and kind of see where we're at and how how everything's kind of played out and what our thoughts were and and how how that kind of went so uh we'll do this again when we get into the season best of luck getting there number one thing stay healthy on the roster i hate to see people go down so stay healthy and we'll, we'll see you uh in december sounds like a plan Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.